Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, December 12th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Counting down the days at this point. Uh, was having drinks with some friends, and I was reminiscing a bit on like one semester into the program, two to go. And we're, they were just like, yeah, I don't fucking miss student life whatsoever at all. Just little shit like being in the grocery store and looking at cheese and not being sure if it was worth it to walk out with the cheese. And that had me kind of down. And then it hit me somewhere after it that like the one thing, the one thing as a student is I'm not working till the 23rd. Four more days and I got two weeks off. So looking forward to that. Yeah, that's definitely very, very nice. I got to say, I don't miss being a student. No one um, does. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't miss it. But at the same time, there's actually a pretty substantial part of me that does miss it. What you, you, The lifestyle no one misses, though. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm even now I'm pretty frugal. I'm not someone that like, it's obviously nice not to worry the same amount about finances, but... Sir, you just bought a car. Yes, but I saved for that. Yeah. It's an investment. It's not... I And we also bought the cheapest car we could find, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's. I, I think the extrinsic... Or maybe that's the wrong word. The, the, un, the intangible pieces of the student life is what I truly miss the most. Um, And like you said, two weeks off for the holidays and having absolutely no stress is is very nice. I know I will get the weekend off during the holiday, but we'll be worried about work in the back of my mind the whole time. So that's, it's not great, but um, yeah, definitely looking forward to the holidays around the corner. And even past that, Max, uh, it happened right as we were chatting before the pod. Uh, just bought Lakers tickets. Hey. So we'll be going to, is it, is this still Crypto.com Arena? Because <laughs> they I, just purchased the name rights. I think it's changing. The Heat one, they changed it instantly. Yeah. Like what yeah. they're calling it like the Heat House or something in the interim. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I, I think it, it was somewhere in the month of December, and I believe that date has passed or very shortly will pass that it switches to something else. Hmm. Yeah. Well, anyways, whatever the new en- name ends up being, uh, I will be there Wednesday, January 18th. If anyone wants to come say hi, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have any list, any, any really hub of listeners in LA, probably because we haven't been super kind to the Lakers in the last couple of months. They haven't deserved it. Who has? I'm looking forward to the Lakers versus the beam team on, on January 18th. That'll be a fun one for sure. Yeah, always nice to have tickets uh, in the wallet on the horizon. It's all concerts for me, but same energy. On air, I meant to tell you before the pod, I do have tickets for one coming up this Thursday. Beautiful. This is what you live for now. It's really what you get to look forward to. It's, I guess, a good month of December for you. Yeah, I, I mean, tickets are the one thing where I throw frugality out the window. Like, I want to see a band, I'm seeing that band, and I'll figure it out 
later down the road if it needs to be figured out but i don't want to look back years later and be like oh i fucking love that band and they played one show in the last three years and i chose not to go to it that's how i feel about my frisbee trips yeah Yeah. i'm willing to spend the extra whatever it ended up being in canadian dollars with the exchange but it's worth it to me to spend spend that time yeah yeah, you save in some places so you can splurge in others. Exactly. Don't buy the cheese for eight weeks, and then you got <laughs> and then you got Lakers tickets. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> On that note, we will move into uh, the meat and potatoes of the pod today. We're going to talk football, uh, NFL Week 14 in the books, uh, a fun one at that. And we've got a little bit of basketball, a little bit of hockey, a little bit of combat corner return to the combat corner sort of and uh yeah lots of great stuff on this one we'll 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 just have some bits and pieces little samplers nothing too deep today but uh, i'll kick it off with a week 14 recap in the nfl and we start on thursday max because right after we got off uh, i know i'd picked the raiders and uh definitely some penalties play into it but the overall storyline is baker mayfield just picked up two, three days before, leads a 90-plus yard game-winning touchdown drive uh, in the final two minutes against the, the Las Vegas Raiders and end their chances of making it to the playoffs uh, and, and on just letting them sling it out there. They probably had five plays total that they could go to in those last two minutes, and they executed on all of them. And it's a it's a really cool moment for Baker. Uh, doesn't really mean anything for the Rams season as a whole. They don't have their pick, uh, and and they don't have a shot of making the playoffs. So they're kind of stuck in this middle ground. So really, it's about integrating him in. And if Matthew Stafford is not going to be healthy enough for the rest of his career, potentially, then you look at Baker Mayfield being the quarterback of the future for the Rams which is so interesting. It's just a cool story. Number one pick, had a decent couple of years in Cleveland, then fell out of favor uh, and and was unable to get it going in Carolina. But with an offensive guru like Sean McVay, it could be a good spot for him to land uh, and, and fascinating to see what he's going to do coming back this week. Next game, the Detroit Lions. Everyone kind of surprised uh, that that, they ended up being favored in this game at five and seven against the ten and two Vikings, but all of America could kind of see that the Lions were hot five and one in their last six, riding a, a good, sustainable brand of football, and they they come in and and they take care of business against the Minnesota Vikings, and it's a pretty exposing loss for Minnesota now ten and three, but. They have a negative one point differential on the season and a negative wow. yardage differential in terms of yards gained and yards lost. And Kirk Cousins been great. Jefferson's been great. Cook, Thielen, all those guys have been fine. It's really the defense that is truly getting exposed and, and they haven't been able to cover anyone in these last couple of weeks. And Detroit was able to gash them again. And Minnesota's got a lick their wounds and really refocus on what they can do to salvage the last couple of weeks here because they're going to be in tough against teams that now know how to beat them they are looking very fraudulent heading into the stretch run here 
what is like are you saying just make it about having as many chances on offense like as many possessions each and trust that your defense is going to hold up better than their defense yeah essentially i mean you're able to control possession against them so even if it's not necessarily like looking for quick possessions it's more even if you run on first down and you gain two yards like as long as you're having positive plays and staying ahead of the chains then you know that this team just cannot cover right now and so you are going to get your opportunities in third and mid-range third and short you're very likely going to convert because they cannot cover people in space uh, and so any team that has has a couple of weapons in the passing game and is disciplined and is not going to take any offensive penalties then you're going to roll against this Vikings team and then you're doubling up on Jefferson and and hoping that they just find a way to figure it out but don't let him beat you anywhere else um and 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 that seems to be the recipe for success right now i mean Jefferson had 223 yards in this game and and the Vikings still weren't able to beat the Lions Next game here, Cincinnati Bengals get the monkey off their back and finally beat the Browns, who they had not been able to beat. It's a big win for Cincinnati. They're now 9-4 and four, uh, after their slow to start to the season. Uh, and, and Deshaun Watson continues to look terrible, much to everyone's uh, joy and happiness. And the big story out of this game has got to be from a fantasy perspective. Going into the game, T. Higgins... Uh, was marked as questionable, and then was taken off the injured list by head coach Zach Taylor, who was set to play. Everyone was excited for that to happen. And then <laughs> he gets on the field, plays one snap, and is benched for the rest of the game. So everyone starts him in fantasy, gets a big fad zero. Tyler Boyd also gets hurt uh, in, in this game as well, and, and so he also puts up zero. So any of those Cincinnati Bengals secondary receiver holders uh, were screwed in either the last week of the regular season, first week of fantasy playoffs, uh, and, and it's a tough one to swallow. And there was some very sizable outrage and calling for people's heads uh, on Twitter, of course, because we know how great of an atmosphere it is on there. I wanted to do a pre-sports talk on the Twitter files, but I think I'm going to wait till all those drops happen before we get into it. Um, so that's it for the Browns. The season's done. Yep, they're done. So it'll just be about getting Deshaun Watson back into looking like a real quarterback again. Jacksonville surprises the Tennessee Titans and inches ever closer to possibly catching up in that division. And this is the Trevor Lawrence is finally here question mark game. Uh, he has an awesome performance, over 300 passing yards, uh, put the ball in the right spots, and just looked really crisp against uh, the Titans, who have now lost three in a row and are scuffling here towards the end of the season. They'll likely still hold on, uh, but it's going to be close for sure, and they're probably going to have to push the team a little bit harder than they would have liked because in the end, they know they're going to be the worst division leader, so they maybe could have taken the last couple of weeks off in preparation for the playoffs, but now they're going to have to keep it uh, up in high gear in order to, to, to claim that first place spot. The Dallas Cowboys, uh, definitely a game where they were looking ahead and did not take the lowly Houston Texans seriously. They get pounced on pretty early, and, and that's just what happens in the NFL. You, you can't play less than 100% because of how physical the sport is by nature, and the Texans get out to a lead. Uh, and luckily, the Cowboys able to 
just stitch things together and and squeak out a win that's the great thing about the nfl as well is either win or you lose uh most of the time and so they get the win they keep things rolling and the houston texans realize late into that game we're playing for something else (laughs) (laughs) it's better for us to drop down and and continue to only have one win on the season so they can get a, a stab at one of those top quarterback prospects coming up uh in the draft the Denver Broncos, I have to mention it because they at least put up a fight against Kansas City Chiefs, a team they haven't beat now in five years. And and Mahomes pulled out a new pass that we had never seen before. He almost threw like, uh, like a softball throw, like an underhand fling as he was getting chased uh, to his running back on the sideline. And, and the running and McKinnon took it to the house. Russell Wilson started to mount a little bit of comeback. The Broncos actually scored over 20 points for the first time in a while, which is crazy <laughs> to see. Uh, but they do end up falling 34 to 28 in that one. Looking at the NFC South here, the 49ers just kicked the butts of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and had Tom Brady <laughs> reconsidering what this team is going to look like as they limp towards a potential division win and playoff spot, but they are now being chased by the Carolina Panthers who always feels like they're one game back, but don't really have a shot. And now it kind of feels like they do. Uh, They're playing good football, two wins in a row now um, as they beat the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. And, and they're right there. Rejoin the conversation. If, if they are able to get, a win against Tampa Bay in one of the last four weeks and then get maybe one more win. Seven and ten might honestly do it in this division, which is bizarre to see. I was seeing headlines like Brady considering uh free agency prospects. Oh yes. It, it's all um, coming back. Where's he gonna play next year? Yeah, yeah. It, it's fully he's doubling down. Like I think if he had another year with the Bucks after this one, maybe he'd like slink out defeated, but he gets to roll the dice again and he can wear live wherever he wants now no no sure. family constraints <laughs> and shout out to brock purdy bcb baby this guy uh keeps keeps the mr relevant tag <laughs> alive with a big performance it'd be an even greater underdog story if he went on to have a pretty successful career as the final pick in the nfl draft so uh he looked really great in today in in the game yesterday he, he slings the ball around, something that the Niners haven't had in a while, and he's looking to keep it rolling. I think it'll catch up to him very soon, but uh, for now, two solid performances in a row, that's all you can ask for from, from your seventh rounder. Last one to talk about here, of course, the Tua Herbert headlines, the biggest piece of this Sunday night football matchup, picked uh, one in front of the other, and it's been a conversation about who's been better and I think Justin Herbert gets a massive one in the win column here as the Chargers beat the Dolphins wasn't pretty but the Chargers looked like the better team the whole game uh it it was really one really electric play from Tyreek Hill picking up a fumble and taking it for 58 yards but it it wasn't as close as it looked on paper and Justin Herbert just looked more composed more athletic better throws and two I think 10 for 28 in the game just shot himself in the foot in the conversation as he was trying to come back but Dolphins fans got to be a little bit on edge now as 
they're not in the driver's seat anymore for a playoff spot. It's it's going to be a toss up here towards the end of the season with a couple of other teams after they were looking so good a few weeks ago, and and they play the Bills next week, which should be a really big matchup for both of those teams. Just to reiterate, I'll say it again and again: he should not be playing this season, no. Tua. No. Like, like this is not a fully healthy, functional um mono a mono matchup speaking of a fully healthy and functional top tier player we slide into basketball storylines where one zion williamson max is a one man wrecking crew in the national basketball association just obliterating opposing centers with offensive rebounds it doesn't matter how tall you are. This 6'6 force of nature will bully over, always get to his left even when he's being forced right, puts back anything in sight, and has exploded the last couple of weeks. Looked really great. And the, the Pelicans getting back-to-back wins against a Phoenix Suns team that did beat them in the first round of the playoffs last year. And they definitely savored it. The first win there, uh, a bit of a blowout, and Zion getting a transition 360 windmill to end the game, which the Suns took offense to. And my response in that moment was, it's one thing if it's a layup and there's five seconds left, but you're at home, you get to do something fancy. He's done it in a couple other games, and the Suns had already given up. Chris Paul actually tried to take a layup on the other end. And so I love it. Get the home fans going. And and then the Suns can't even come back out and back it up. I know they're dealing with a couple of injuries and Chris Paul doesn't look himself, but Pelicans have dealt with some injuries as well. Uh, Ingram, most notably, has missed some time. And and the Pels beat him back to back, get, a, get the overtime win as well uh, after CP3 sent it to overtime. But it, this Pelicans team convincingly number one in the west now looks really really great on both ends of the floor they have a potential top five guy not right now but projecting to be a top five player in the nba right at some point in his career and so all the things are falling into place for this young and talented team and i just can't wait to see some of the premier other premier games that this these pelicans are going to go up against uh some of the top east teams and then um, maybe some teams at full strength in the West as well. It's been really, really fun. I mean, what an opportunity when you slide into the number one seed and then have back-to-back games against the former number one, number two seed, and they couldn't have made any more of it. Uh, as you said, the hypocrisy on the Suns' reaction to Zion's dunk was just... I don't know how they could say it with a straight face when like Chris Paul had literally, they were like, why would you try and score when the game is over? When that play was born off of Chris Paul doing exactly that uh, campaign, I think the one with that exact quote, and then people were digging up clips of him doing it during the Mavericks series. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. You know, my highlight of the back-to-back was Chris Paul uh, fouling out on the sixth with the uh, flop on Zion where he kicks out the legs. Uh, Someone else on Reddit also pointed out the, like, ridiculous confidence that, like, Zion instantly was replay, challenge that bullshit. And the ref who called it was like, no chance. 
you have no chance. And he was 100% confident. Um, some off-season content I do want to get to is like possible, like how, what refing should be and what the role of replays should be in a timely manner. But just the confidence of that ref was so disgusting. Like you were wrong and you said it like there, it wasn't a possibility in the world. And we see so many times the refs go to the monitors and like hold a backup call. And if they're doing that with those attitudes, like I just think it's so gross. And uh, I really hate that. Yeah, the argument you could that, that could be made there is if there's no replay, then you just hope your ref does take a definitive angle one way or the other, and they're going to get it wrong sometimes. Uh, and I'm glad in this case we did have the replay. Yeah, it, it's a question of in a timely manner, how quickly can we get the best, rightest, most true answers? And like tennis is the golden standard. I, I've fully become convinced over this year that every tournament should be using Hawkeye except the ones on clay uh, because they're going to get it right like 99.99% of the time. So I'll, I'll take that 0.001% loss um, for the sake of tradition. But And they can do that instantly and always get it right. If you can, like in hockey, we know if the puck crosses the goal line. We know if it's offside. Basketball is a little tougher, and there's certainly a lot of considerations there. Um, but the thing I wanted to highlight was just the arrogance and confidence of the ref and like draw on that phenomenon of where we've seen refs make a bad call, have it be challenged, go to the monitors, and then like there's a reason you have an appeals judge in the court of law. You don't. You don't send a case through a court and then when it gets appealed, have the same judge look at his decision and go, yeah, I think I was right. Uh, you have a different judge look at it and assess it. Uh, and thankfully, that's what it wasn't that ref uh, making the call on the monitor. Back to basketball, fantastic win by the Pelicans. You mentioned Zion as a potential top five. When you said top five, I thought you were going to say they're Probably, possibly, good chance getting another top five pick in the draft coming this year. Uh, Ingram's been there half the season. McCollum hasn't looked great consistently. I don't know how much Herb Jones has played. Uh, it, it's gonna, guys like Nance Jr. are gonna, with the level of play, want a bigger contract. Uh, Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels, while they're on their rookie years, like this is the time. Uh, this team is going to get very expensive very fast. But they've drafted some of those guys, so you at least can go into the tax. I don't think this is a team that would like to go into the tax, but mm -hmm. they have that ability if it's guys you've drafted. Yeah, maybe maybe you make some room, you slide off McCollum. Uh, maybe you have to slide off Ingram to make it work. Uh, but this team has just been, in whatever form it presents, it's been finding a way to win consistently. Yeah. Another team that has some homegrown drafted talent ability in the future to go over into the luxury tax with those homegrown players who are young and on rookie deals and they're trying to win now, the Sacramento Kings. And those players I refer to, of course, are Davion Mitchell and Keegan Murray, who are getting consistent time and playing really well for the Sacramento team. And then, of course, you've got De'Aaron Fox leading the way, uh, who's been pretty special so far for the Kings. and. Damanis Sabonis 
has been massive for them. He's got a great interior presence, and they've been knocking down threes at a proficient clip. And there's just so much talent there, right? And it it really shone through in the Cavaliers game this weekend. Finish out the game 19-0 run. And that's pretty rare that you don't give up a bucket. There were a couple of missed opportunities by the Cavaliers. But consistent defense to close out a game and you make some tough shots on the other end of the floor. A really, really impressive win for the Kings who continue to climb the rankings now uh, in, in the NBA. In the Western Conference there, I believe they're now listed at fifth in the conference, only a game back of the Suns, who have tumbled, like we talked about, and and half a game ahead of the Trailblazers there. So can't wait to see them in January, the beam team. But they've they've now got the defensive player, the game chain. Like this whole team, the vibe around them is fantastic. And that's what you need to have some regular season success. Something the Raptors could get a little bit more of. They had it in the past, but they're losing that juju. Yeah, I, I think we'll wait on a little more before the slanderous takes start coming. I, I guess I'd still stick by my guns on the one I've had so far on the season. Yeah, um, your headline on the Cavs, I felt like I, I've seen this play before or this movie before. The bad Cavalier fourth quarters where they can't figure out the offense. On a whim, I looked up uh, where they ranked in fourth quarter points among teams in the NBA. And I wasn't shocked to see them fifth lasts, but four of the five teams behind them are all in similar standings to them. Uh, the Grizzlies, Hawks, Mavs, Bucks, and Heat. So I guess the Cavs are sixth last, my bad. Uh, all score less points in the fourth quarter than the Cavaliers so far. And gar- garbage time being what it is, this isn't yeah. a perfect measure. Uh, I'd love to have finicked with the stats to only have certain games be counted and considered. Uh, I looked at games one, and they were seventh or eighth last, and the picture got a little clearer. Uh, But yeah, they haven't been a great team in the fourth quarter. Uh, Consistently, I think when I've seen them, it seemed like it's either Hero Ball from Mitchell or Garland. And it's going in or it's not going in. And they haven't figured out a way to play action, utilize all their offensive assets in the best possible manner and guarantee a good shot, uh, which a team with that much talent in their starting five has to do, especially to win at the next level. Yeah, it's interesting that stat. I imagine it's a combination of garbage time and then just a couple of these teams on their play decent defense so they just i guess had a couple rock fight fourth quarters mixed with times where there's a blowout and you're just playing in garbage time but the cleveland cavaliers you take a look beyond garland and beyond uh mitchell there they don't have a ton of spacing which is sometimes what you need to give as a look now the the lineups with just Allen or just Mobley allows you to have one extra shooter on the floor, and Kevin Love's had some great numbers. But if you're just thinking of their core, four young guys, plus a fifth wing player, so that's like an Osman or an Okoro, uh, whoever you may have it, a Levert. There's with the two kind of bigs plus a, they don't have that like deadly three point shooter on the outside it can get a little bit clustered when they're playing against teams that know that it's going to be those two guys. 
and are willing to blitz and live with a, a Mobley floater or mid-range or, or an Allen contested layup around the rim, even if he's got a bit of a size mismatch, or it's a corner three for someone who knocks it down at 34% rather than 40, right? So teams, I think, were taken aback by how amazing Mitchell was to start the season. And I think Garland's still getting back into a groove after getting poked in the eye in the very first game. But this Cavs team potentially is looking at a trade there for someone who spaces the floor just a little bit more uh, for this team. If I'm an optimistic Cavaliers fan, I say that's the next step for Mobley, the shooting. Uh, that was part of the package that was presented in the draft, a floor spacing guy who has like all the instincts in the paint on the glass. And we've seen those instincts, especially defensively, uh, but the shooting has not been as the ceiling advertised at the time. Uh, but I, I, with a guy with that much talent and the league being what it is, we've seen so many centers reinvent themselves as floor spacers. Um, Lopez, Valanciunas, if they can do it, I'm quite confident that Mobley... Uh, putting in a couple off seasons will get there and uh, this team has the time to figure it out wow we do not have the time <laughs> so we're gonna move right along here uh, the combat corner returns sort of i didn't watch this ufc main card but i'm mostly glad for it um all of the big winners owen save one did not fight on this card so first of all, hats off to Ilya Taboria, who beat the bloody breaks off of Bryce Mitchell in, I think it was Taboria's featherweight debut. Uh, it seemed like he had all the power, had no cardio issues. This guy is a monster on the feet. Uh, he's now like been happy to play in the guards of Mitchell and Uriah Hall, two deadly, deadly submission artists. Uh, the grappling package is legit. This guy is going to be a problem uh, when Volkanovski is gone. Uh, so hats off to him for having the one standout performance on the main card. Uh, the other winners <laughs> did not step into the octagon. Uh, so Paddy Pimblett gets the robbery of the year against Jared Gordon uh, in a decision that I haven't seen a single person who is not one of the judges there or have an incredible bias giving them a vested interest in Pimblet's success, uh, replicate that decision. And when that's the case, you always or like agree with the decision. Uh, he gets outstruck, out taken down, out controlled. Uh, the strikes, Gordon lands are cleaner and more numerous. It it's kind of baffling. Uh, so my winner here is Ariel Hawani who beefed with Pimblet all week leading up to this after uh, Tim Paddy did some Dana Askis in. Uh, it seems like Helwani had already come out the victor just off the exchanges. Uh, this rat like has a deep, deep bag when he needs to get into it. Um, but Paddy just having such a bad look, um, winning a blatant robbery decision and then having the confidence and arrogance to strut and act like he put on an incredible performance uh, really derailed the hype train uh, people just stop and look 
at other guys the UFC has pushed who made it, like Izzy, O'Malley, McGregor, and whatever you say about the fights they were offered, the easy matchups they had on their way to the top, they passed those tests with flying colors. And uh, Paddy just it looked nowhere near close to that level. And it, at the, with how far he is into his career and his age, it, it, and in a division like the lightweight, it seems like this is where the hype train stops and we'll see what the matchmaking looks like going forward because like Patty hasn't been like clamoring for title shots and top 15 opponents. He knows his skill set. He knows the way to milk the bag and capitalize on his popularity. Uh, but when you keep winning, it's really hard to justify going up. Uh, the scenario I saw suggested, which I think is unfortunately likely, is he fights the ghost of Tony Ferguson, who still has a number next to his name and is the only that actually is a winnable fight for Pimblet. Um, and I will not be surprised at all to see it booked. But after that, it, there's no one above that who doesn't decapitate this man. Lastly, in a main event that sees a draw emerge uh, that I meant to touch on this, but this wasn't the title fight that was supposed to happen. Yuri Poshazka has the freakiest of freak injuries and has to pull out of his title fight with Glover Teixeira. Uh, they offer Glover Magomed Ankalaev, who's on a nine-fight win streak. Glover says, I'm not taking that guy on one week. Can we do it next month in Brazil? Uh, the UFC says, no, we need a title fight on this card. Uh, so the Yan Magomed... Uh, fight gets bumped to the title fight main event. Yan takes uh, the legs off of Ankalaev and uh, has the better of the third rounds after a pretty close first round. Ankalaev remembers he's from Dagestan in the fourth, takes it, and then dominates the fifth round with a lot of damage. Uh, so it ends up going. I think one judge gives it to Yan, one judge gives it to Magomed, and the third judge does uh three yawn and a 10 8 angle i have and uh my biggest loser is dana uh he has a disgraceful press conference after this uh where he shits all over the fighters calls it a terrible fight which it wasn't it was a great fight it's okay to have a draw um it's okay to have wrestling it's mma it wasn't lay and pray uh, it was bizarre and reveals he has decided that the title is going to be um, Anthony, excuse me, Clover Teixeira gets his wish and he will fight for the title in Brazil against Jamal Hill, who gets removed from his fight against Anthony Smith. Jamal Hill on a three fight win streak. The really funny thing is there's a not zero chance glover wins and then retires in brazil and the belt remains <laughs> vacated uh so glover to share the biggest winner of this and i think uh bellator's scott coker may be the second winner out of this after just a horrible look from dana who always by the way like every press conference ever people are like juicing jones in to talk matchups with him like after this win who are you gonna find? and he always says like we don't make matchups on fight nights we we don't do matchups on fight nights and he's so pissed off that he goes takes smith off his fight and just says title shot uh mm -hmm. so pretty all-around bad look not that he'll catch up with him just in the casuals eyes so yeah a pretty bizarre ufc card uh, a lot of fun finishes as well 
but um, no one who fought on that main card except Jaboria really came out a big winner. Big winners, huh? Yes, sir. Quick hitters here to end. We've got Mitch Marner adds to his streak game 21 and 22 against the Kings who the Leafs blew out and then the Flames, a much tighter affair. Uh, they finally get an overtime win. <laughs> we, we knew it was a matter Flames. of time. Yeah, they, they're going to figure it out. Uh, and, and who else, right, to come through for them? But uh, Nick Robertson hurt, so just add another injury to the laundry list. I kind of called it. The, but the, the just, Reapers come to the goalie's door. He's come to the defenseman's door. Forwards, you're next. It's, it's so fantastic, though, because despite all this adversity, this team's still powering through, and it's it's given us great vibes. Hopefully they continue it tomorrow night against the Anaheim Ducks. Other winners here. I know we said we'd talk about it last pod. Baseball <laughs> is here. We got some big winners in Justin Verlander getting a nearly $50 million annual salary for two years with the new york mets uh, the new japanese phenom yoshida the outfielder comes over gets a big deal from the boston red sox and aaron judge uh who initially was reported going to the san francisco giants reporter jumped the gun on that one uh, on twitter and that was a that was a pretty funny moment he gets his big deal uh, for nearly 400 million from the New York Yankees to stay for another nine seasons. Uh, and while all of these big contracts are going out, oh, one more to list here Xander Bogarts to the San Diego Padres, who now have Machado, Tatis, Juan Soto, and Xander Bogarts all in their infield. One of those guys has got to flex out to the outfield. So it'll be interesting to see who plays where. But I don't know how these guys can, I guess it's billionaire owners, right? They can afford any salary, but that is going to be such a fun team to watch and they better win a a World Series in the next two years with all of that talent in the infield. And so the Blue Jays, uh, who miss out on some of the top pitchers, uh, are able to pick up what the Mets can no longer afford. They signed today Chris Bassett, uh, three years, 63 million. He is a dependable middle of the rotation guy. Uh, so adds to a team that Barrios, Hunjin Ryu, right, Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman, that that's a pretty solid starting five now. And not even mentioning some of the other guys they have coming up or other arms they could potentially sign. Uh, still looking for that left-handed bat and bullpen help. I was able to fit baseball in, and that's going to do it Bravo. for this one. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll see you on Thursday coming up here. Max, I'll leave it to you. We won't see you on Thursday because I'll be enjoying Static Dress and Loathe. Hyped for that. Don't know when the next pod comes. Till then, Sports Next Door signing out.